ideal he had theoretically been called to serve. Still, one could not have shaggy brutes blowing up Parliament. Once that was allowed, what on earth was next? He had no choice but to send the young iron shackled in the accused's box and guarded by two sour-faced bailiffs to the gallows. There would be a crowd of murdered souls waiting for the lad in whatever afterlife he professed, since he had already been twice successful, the explosion on Pickstown and another at the Bailey. Now that had been a horrific event. The question of how these events could be traced to the great blight racking the young man's homeland was an open one. There were whispers of the iron spirit of rule struggling to manifest itself, a blasphemous notion to be sure, but even such blasphemy found a ready hearing when the staple crop rotted in the ground and the tribes of Aya found themselves starving as well as browbeaten and outright terrorised. Could such a thing excuse this young man, or mitigate his murders? When, Clare was forced to wonder in some of his private moments, could a man, even a mentath, cease unravelling causes and concern himself only with effects? The young Mr. Spencewell was accused of treachery to the Crown, both as a dynamitard and as a member of a particular Iron Brotherhood that called its members young wolves. Irons were subjects of Britannia, but the Englene's privilege of a trial by jury did not apply to them as a whole, and the Crown had not seen fit to intervene or offer a pardon. Distaste for the whole affair, finished or not, was a sourness against Clare's palate. Perhaps, he said carefully, that is outside my concern, sir. I may only speak to what I witnessed and what may be deduced. As a sop to his conscience, it was not quite all Clare could have hoped for. As Emma Bannon sometimes remarked, conscience was a luxury those in service to crown and empire did not often possess. Quite so, quite so, the judge bugled and fetched a handkerchief from the deep recess of his robe. He sniffed loudly, affected to dab a patriotic tear from his deep-set eyes and launched into upbraiding the young iron. Clare turned his attention away. He was not given leave to go quite yet, but experience told him this particular judge would not ask anything resembling a question for a long while. Mr. Spencewell had no solicitor. He might as well have been a sullen lump, voiceless and inert. Miss Bannon would have been watching him with bright interest, though, ever unwilling to let a potential danger go unobserved. Upon Clare's thinking of her, the small crystal and silver pendant tucked under his shirt on its hair-fine chain, a Buchanan's nut meant to warn the sorceress when Clare was in dire danger, chilled sharply. Wearing it while engaged upon investigations of a somewhat dangerous nature had become routine, even if the thing seemed to have some variance of temperature, even when he was not in any difficult strait. He had not yet had a private moment to take the necklace off, or sleep. It was a bloody miracle he had possessed a few spare moments to wash his face and shave said countenance before appearing here, and once he was excused, there was more work to be done. As far as the authorities were concerned, 
The culprit was caught and further danger averted, but Claire was not so certain. He would not rest until he was. His faculties and his quality of thoroughness, however inconvenient, would not allow it. The courtroom, packed to the gunnels as it was, positively wallowed every time a fresh piece of evidence was introduced or a rise in the judge's voice denoted something of interest. Somewhere, in the high, narrow, stone-walled room, a leftover from the wife-killer's time with the rows of his royal dynasty worked into chipped, cracked carvings near the ceiling, was Valentinelli, who had flatly refused to cool his heels in Mayfair or at Clare's often-neglected Baker Street quarters. Mrs. Gin, redoubtable landlady that she was, sometimes complained that Mr. Clare kept the room so as to gather dust, but allowed that a gentleman was sometimes allowed to live as and where he pleased, even...